0: The fifth Sunday of the Holy Fifty, and today is an encouraging and comforting gospel that I suppose comes after a very harsh chastisement. So, today's gospel from John it began, "Let not your heart be troubled." And you're wondering, why would the Lord begin with us? If you read a little bit beforehand in chapter 13, while the Lord is speaking to the apostles, he said, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come, as now I say to you. And initially, when the Lord had spoken this thing, they thought that he was going to commit suicide. They thought that he was going to take his own life, because where he is going, they could not follow. But then Peter, being very affirmative, very headstrong, says, Lord, where are you going? So Jesus says again, where I'm going, you can't follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. The Lord understands what he's saying. He understands the timeliness. Peter has no idea what he's talking about. So he says, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And you know it immediately enters the Lord's mind. The betrayal that will come by Peter, that he'll betray him three times. So Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, The rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. So now everyone is shocked. The leader of the apostles will fall, and they are all troubled and afraid. For where their master will go, they cannot follow him. But then he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And eventually, the Lord says in um, chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me.
1: And the Lord said this because Thomas prompted him.
0: Lord, we don't know the way. So Thomas was thinking geographically. I'm on Google Maps, and I'm trying to find the way, and I'm lost, and I'm looking. He thought maybe that was the way he was speaking about. But it had nothing to do with geography, but rather the Lord presented the way as a person. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Now historically, and we see this in the book of Acts, the Christians adopted this name to identify themselves. They were called the way. They didn't receive the title Christians until they had gone to Antioch. And the Antiochians there saw them and said, you guys are like little Christs. And that's where the name Christian comes from. But for many, for, since the beginning, since the book of Acts, the first century, we were called the way. And I suppose we can take a few minutes today to meditate on the Lord as the way. And to preface it, we can see the Lord says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So when we speak about the way, we also speak about preparation. Because the Lord, when he establishes a way for us, will prepare us for that way. And even on that way, whatever it may be, in our Lord Jesus Christ there is still a preparation that occurs. And that's the life of a Christian. We have a goal and we have an end. Obviously here we see the end is the kingdom of heaven. We'll see that very clearly on Thursday, the Feast of the Ascension, our Lord Jesus Christ entering heaven.
1: But then we also see that we as
0: Christians have a goal. Heaven is the end of a Christian, but the goal is different. The goal is to be like Christ, and without the goal, we cannot reach the end. That would be kind of like if we're going to train for a marathon. I guess our our end is to reach the finish line, but our goal is going to be an ultimate physique that will allow us to complete that race. So without accomplishing the goal of being Christ-like, we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven, and the person through whom this goal is accomplished, is the Holy Spirit through the working of the Holy Trinity, the Father and the Son. And that's what we're gonna see at the Pentecost, which is coming up, I believe that's June 4th, and then we have the Apostles fast following from June 5th until the Feast of the Apostles, which is uh, the martyrdom of Peter and Paul on July 12th. But we'll speak about the preparation and the way in three points. We'll look in the beginning, before mankind even was. We'll look at throughout our lives, we're being prepared. And lastly, we're prepared for eternal life.
1: Now we see very early on in scripture,
0: Moses the arch prophet presents to us the book of Genesis and reveals to us God's care and planning for mankind. He didn't just create us and let us go and let us explore and let us do our thing, but rather he prepared. For the five days leading up to the creation of mankind on the sixth day, God created, whether it be, let there be light, or whether there be a division, land and the water, whether there be uh, stars, and whether there be a sun and a moon, whether there be um, the, the, the vegetation and the sea creatures, the animals, whatever there is, all these things were done for an express purpose of revealing God's love to us. So although God is preparing all the different aspects of the creation for our enjoyment and our pleasure and our satisfaction, sure, at the same time, he's preparing these things so that we could know him and be transformed and continually grow. So that's why you see uh, St. Paul in Romans chapter 1, About verse 20, he says, for the hidden attributes of God are revealed in the creation so that none of us are without any excuse. So for that purpose, the church fathers say, well, the creation is like a book. And I guess it's a big picture book because now I can look and see. Look how different flowers and different things are arranged, their organization and their beauty. There must be a brilliant and divine mind architect behind all these things and i go out to nature and there's meditation and contemplation
1: but whenever there is a way the devil will
0: always try to steer us along another way we saw that clearly in in genesis don't eat of this one fruit and that's the one fruit the devil wants us to eat from and today now how often are we able to go outside like when my wife tells me how the weather was i'm like "I, i didn't realize there was weather today the amount of time that we spend indoors, we don't get to experience the creation. So then it's, it's interesting that when we were young, and even as we're getting older, going on spiritual retreats, how we're always sent outside to enjoy nature. But that is to understand that God prepared a place for us. And I think as many of us, uh, I myself becoming a parent myself, I'm beginning to understand God's philanthropy in this, because as we're preparing for our daughter and purchasing different things for her and getting the house ready. There's so much careful thought and preparation that comes into receiving a human being. So imagine in how much greater scale that is for God, for since before the foundation of the world, God has loved us. So that's the first point. Our Lord Jesus Christ has been preparing our way for us even before we were created. Now I suppose we come to our second point, that during our lives, there is preparation and there is a way. And I, I guess the, the, the really, I, I don't wanna say it's a silly part of life, but we're always spending life looking for the way. And even if we're on the right way, we're always wondering, well, is this the right way? Is there a different way? And it becomes really tough and confusing if there's any kind of sin, um, any sort of, I guess different events or different circumstances in life, different interests. Suddenly I question the way I'm on and I wanna go on to another way. And we know the Lord prepares a way for us, it says in the book of Jeremiah, um, that that the Lord uh, does have, um, God does have a plan for us, a plan of prosperity and salvation. He has intentions and desires for us. It says that the Lord, I believe this is Proverbs 16, I believe around verse 9, it says that uh, man's heart may desire a way, but the Lord directs his footsteps. So many of us have a way, God calls us to a way, and through that way we are prepared for greater things.
1: And I guess if we want to look to the examples of the saints, we
0: could see different saints who maybe they were set on a path from the beginning and they continued along that path. An example of that would be Saint Athanasius who we celebrated earlier this week, May 15. Saint Athanasius was one, according to tradition, was seen by Pope Alexander baptizing his friends baptizing his pagan friends and apparently it was according to the rites so alexander was like okay that's fine well let's receive people we'll do the chrismation my rune and he was one that athanasius you're going to stay with me and when i go to visit other bishops and i do other um, parts of my ministry as a patriarch you're going to be with me in all those all those different things and eventually st. athanasius accompanies him as a deacon to the council of nicaea in 325 and in 328 um i think Athanasius is ordained the 20th Patriarch of Alexandria. And that's something he's been prepared for his whole life. But now the devil wants to shake Athanasius, shake his faith, uh, shake the entirety of Egypt and the world because there's the heresy of Arianism is being promulgated everywhere to the point that suddenly the whole world was Arian and Athanasius was probably the last standing bishop that held on to the Nicene or the Orthodox faith. And they tried to tell him, Athanasius, you need to change your way. Every person here has accepted Arianism. Arianism meaning that there was a time when the Son was not, that the Son is a created being that is uh, a little less than God but greater than the, the rest of creation. Uh, Athanasius stood against that and said, no, he, he is consubstantial with the Father. He shares in the same essence. Uh, He is God. There's no way he's a creature. But they said, Athanasius, give this up. It doesn't make sense that you keep trying to defend this faith. You need to turn. The whole world is against you. And he said, well, if the world is against me, then Athanasius is against the world. And because of his bravery and his courage, we have the faith that we have today. There's others who are called to a certain way, but then in that way. And it, there was nothing sinful about that way, but they found a greater calling. So today's saint is Saint Arsenios. He is the tutor of the king's sons. And Arsenios was, was tutoring the, the sons of a righteous and a Christian king. He was an excellent man and there was no reason for Arsenios to ever want to leave the king's palace. But Arsenios was called to something greater. While I am with man, I will not experience God in the fullness that he is calling me to experience him. I need to go out to the desert. So God calls Arsenius to the desert, Arsenios goes. And even while he's there in the desert, he says, Lord, now what am I going to do? God tells him, silent. And it is in silence that Arsenius learns and experiences God. Arsenius is very wise. He knew lots of languages. Could he have written maybe volumes for the church? Could he explain theology? Could he be done translations? Maybe translating things from Greek to Latin? I'm sure he could have, and it could have been good, but that was not God's calling for him. Not every way, not every good path is the right path that God called us to. Another example is St. Anthony. St. Anthony received many riches when his parents passed away. And he thought, what do I do with these riches? I mean, there's nothing wrong with being rich. Abraham was rich. The point with riches is to get from God. So now we are stewards of that money. I'm accountable for what I do with it. Am I giving it to the poor? Am I giving it to the church? Or am I storing it? How I use that money will be the measure by which I am judged. Well, anyway, Antony goes to the church and he hears the gospel. Do you desire to be perfect? Then go, sell all you have, give to the poor, follow me, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. So, okay. He does that thing. He kept a low for his sister, but then heard the gospel the following week. The fish in our today's trouble, don't worry about tomorrow. Okay, fine. I'll give, the rest of my, I'll give my sister to a convent or an early convent. I'll give the rest of the money. And he goes because God called him to monasticism to become the father of such. Now, when there was persecution in Alexandria, Antony said, Let's go together that we can receive the crown of martyrdom. And they see Antony in the courts, the judges, the magistrates. They say, Let no one touch this man. Holy."
1: We don't know what to do with him. We're not getting anywhere near the sky, And he does not receive the crown of martyrdom. He goes back to the desert. Eventually, communities are established around him.
0: And now we see the beauty of monasticism. Because God chose a greater way for him. The same thing with Saint Olympia. She was married very young. And within 22 months of her marriage, her husband died. She had a great amount of wealth. A vast amount of wealth. To the point that the emperor is now involved saying you need to marry too young to have this much money and to have no husband. You need to have, essentially need the stewardship for this money because it was so much that it could actually affect the state of the kingdom. And she said, I, I don't want to marry. I've been married once and now I'm going to be a deaconess. Now I'm going to just live the remainder of my life in virginity. And he says, look, if, if you're not going to marry, I'm going to take all your money Essentially hold it in a trust until you're old enough to receive it. And she's like, that's great. That's exactly what I want. Take all the money because it's something holding me back. Could, could Olympia have married and given the money, done all those things? Sure, I, I think she could have. But would she have had the life that she had? I don't think so because God had a way and a purpose for her, to go be a deaconess. And eventually she, right, she didn't take the money away. Eventually she's building churches. Eventually, she's establishing a strong community, taking care of the poor. Eventually, she's even taking care of St. John Chrysostom. So, an incredible life. Over two more quick examples. We also see others who have strayed along the way and yet have been called back. St. Moses Moses and St. Mary. Moses the Strong was one whose way was Hebrew. Whose way was being a captain of bandits who lived an awful, really violent life. But that wasn't the way God intended for him. God called him to repentance. Moses asking, who is the, who is the God? Is the Son God and searching? until he goes to the monastery and he, he finally speaks to, uh, uh, eventually meets uh, the same material space. His father was Saint Isidore. And eventually he learns the truth of God. Eventually he repents. An angel holds a a black cowl, I suppose, or garment, that becomes white as he confesses. And he transforms. He went from a captain of thieves to a captain of priests. The tradition eventually goes back to all his friends, the bandits. They see the transformation. He calls them.
1: They follow after
0: him. But then you also see the example of St. Mary of Egypt. One who, even when she was called to go, there was a church trip, I guess, I can go and I can work sin with all these men. And she went, she works sin with all these people. And finally, she's going to the church, and you think God accepts everyone. God will accept her the way he did. She goes to enter the church, and she is stopped. Why? Because God has an intention for her repentance. Virgin Mary did not allow her to enter the church, but she sees the icon of Virgin Mary in her purity and contrasts it to her own life. That is a much better way.
1: she prostrates before the icon of St.
0: Mary, and she realizes the better way is not the life of sin, not the way working in with men,
1: rather is
0: living out in the desert. And finally, God sends St. Zothima to go and distribute to her the Eucharist. Throughout our lives, we are searching for this way, and it takes lots of prayer, lots of discretion, and sometimes it's the discretion of our father of confession or a spiritual guide but constantly testing and searching but committing to the way knowing that the devil will do anything to confuse us or to steer us away. So that, that was the second point. Third point will be very brief. But our Lord Jesus Christ prepares for us eternity. And we see here it says uh, in my father's house are many mansions. I saw a TikTok, one of the one of the uh, when I was serving at St. Athanasius, one of the junior high kids sent me this TikTok. Don't learn your theology from TikTok. It's the worst place. But the guy's like, did you know that you get mansions in heaven? Uh, he's pointing out different verses out of context, and he's describing it. It's a very carnal and worldly view
1: of what it is. Oh, well, it's
0: a mansion. I have an estate. Well, do I have a pool? Do I have a beachside view? Well, how many rooms does my mansion have? How many bathrooms? That's a very materialistic way to look at it, and and many of the other religions have materialistic ways of looking at eternity. For Islam, you can receive virgins if you die an honorable death, or I believe it's in Mormonism, you can inhabit your own planet with your own children, that's why they teach polygamy, so you have lots of inhabitants on your planet. But that is a very carnal, very worldly view. Or an idea of pleasure in heaven. What kind of pleasure? What do you mean by that? But then we come into the church and we see, I guess, for I, I experienced this with the children, I guess a scary view of, of eternity. I don't find it very scary. I don't think you do either. But we see in our liturgical life: this is the beginning of eternal life. This is what heavenly life looks like. And when when Abuna even prays in the anaphora prayer, where are your hearts? They're with you, O Lord. And we begin to see that this is heaven. I mean, our shoes are off for the presence of God. Is it that heaven has come down to the church or is it that the church has gone up to heaven? I, I don't know. But what we do understand is that heavenly life is not something we compare to on earth in terms of its pleasures, but at the same time, heavenly life is something that we begin to experience on earth. By mansions, the Lord means we're going to have no need because everything that a person would need, we would receive in so much fold. Actually, in fact, the only thing we need or would desire in heaven is God's presence and it is radiating. There's no, there's no artificial light source in heaven. It is God's radiance that is the light by which we, we receive, we understand. Even David in the Psalms, he describes it as ecstasy something that is even beyond our minds and our comprehension. And that is the life that our Lord is preparing us for. So when we have hardships and troubles in this life, and it's really awful and tough, and you see someone like uh, Lazarus in the, in the parable Lazarus and the rich man who has sores on his body and dogs are licking the swords, and you're like, God, how can you allow this thing? Yeah, injustice for a time is going to prevail until there is judgment. Once there's judgment, we're going to see justice. And after that justice, there will be a resurrection. Well, I guess leading up to that justice will be a resurrection to condemnation and a resurrection of life. There will be judgment. There will be justice. And those who are worthy through the blood of the Lamb to partake of this resurrection of life will be able to inhabit such mansions. Not physical, of course, but the love and manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I pray that as we um, as we consider today's gospel and as we continue the rest of the uh, the Holy Fifty up to Ascension,
1: I pray that God may continue
0: to establish our ways. May we pray for confidence that uh, whatever way that we are upon may be the right way. May the Lord change our way if it's not the correct way. Um, may we continue in prayer and as we approach the Apostles, uh, may we then continue in. Fasting. Uh, and as we complete this liturgy, uh, let's continue to pray for one another as we unite together in the, in the Eucharist, uh, that we are all reconciled to one another in love. To our Lord Jesus Christ, belongs the glory and honor with his good Father and the Holy Spirit. Glory be to God forever. Amen.